Good morning, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to Redskins Addicts Podcast Volume 2. So uh, once again, you're joined by myself, Rod. Uh, we got Brother Steve on the line, Sean, Phil, Yo. Yo. And, El- and Ellie. So hopefully, hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed week one. Got some more topics and uh, discussion points for you. We'll try to keep it much shorter. Uh, we went way long uh, week one. Week two, we'll try to get about 45 minutes. Uh, but it's been an interesting week. But we will go with the topics that we discussed. So um, within the group, we've been talking about, you know, the, 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 the admins, just looking at some of the players, uh, highlights and predictions for the upcoming season. Uh, so I'll kick it off sort of with the, the cliche thing. So for me, I'm looking at Kyle Allen um, coming up from Carolina. So he comes in uh, in Carolina week three, uh, starts a four-game winning streak. He's on fire. Finishes the season one and eight. Uh, end up going 0-3 beyond the Ron Rivera era. Uh, had 3,300 yards. 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, and an AB QB rating. So you know we love quarterback controversy, but I'm not going to go there. It's actually Dwayne Haskins that I'm looking at. Um, he, he starts to look very polished as a starter for me, and, and just looking at the offseason workouts, his, his tape has been pretty – it's been something positive to look at in a, in a franchise that's been kind of in the pits for a few years. Uh, so his numbers last year weren't as impressive as Kyle Allen's. In his seven starts, he had seven touchdowns, seven interceptions, 1,300 yards, in probably the league's worst offensive system. And I'm taking the moment to have a strategic pause to say, screw you, Jay Gruden. We are all glad you're gone. So my prediction for uh, Dwayne Haskins this year, kind of high, hopeful, but I'm saying 4,200 yards, 28 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. I'm knocking on wood and hope it happens. What you got, Sean? Sean, Steve, anyone? Well, uh, yeah, so I'll well, we'll Sean. <laughs> yeah, I have my mic on mute. Uh, I'm actually a Jay Gruden fan. <laughs> like the only one. Uh, he's like a hometown oh, hero, though. But uh, he should have been fired, though, based on just performance. But um, I guess the player highlight you're asking about who I predict. Yeah, man, I'm gonna go with Geis. Okay, I think that he'll I think that he'll run uh, pretty effectively. Um, I think that I think he'll never be tired because you also have AP on the roster. Maybe Love sprinkling in some McKenzie, uh, McKenzie, and uh, you know the rookie running back slash wide receiver we have in Gibson. I think they'll keep him fresh. If we can get in the ball about 15 times out of the backfield, I think he might, think he might have some good numbers for us. All right. You think he's cracking 1,000 yards? I think he can crack 1,000 yards. I think he doesn't do it just because there's only one football and about four or five running backs that could be touching it. I wonder yeah, if maybe this isn't the game for that. Same thing. Too so hard going with guys as well. No, no, no. I was gonna say too hard to spread the ball around. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. No, I'm gonna go with. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a little abstract, um, and I know you probably wanted a single person's prediction, but this is really hard. Um, so there's a lot of people out there that are saying Chase Young is gonna break the rookie sack record. It's 14. Javon Curse, 1999. Um, last year, Nick Bosa did nine. <clears throat> I would like to say a bold prediction for Chase Young and Sacks. You could, but do it, do it, do it. I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to say twelve. <laughs> I think he can do twelve. But what I'd like to say is, Ooh. I think combined between the two edge rushers, regardless of who it is, probably Sweat and Young, I'm going to say twenty-two is my is my over under, and I think they're going to be right at twenty-two combined. So that's my bold prediction: is that the two the edge rushers will have. 22 sacks combined divvy it up how you want 21 and one 20 you know 20 and two doesn't matter i'm going 22 sacks for the edge rushers and i'm going to say 12 sacks for chase young that's my prediction all right i'll take that i'll take that all day all right i got i got one 
that uh, it's a, it's a name that I don't even talk about that much compared to some of the other players on the offense, but I think we're going to see uh, Steven Sims Jr. really break out in this offense, and and I agree. He's going to he's going to have he's not going to break a thousand yards. There's just there's the offense just isn't going to be predicated on it. It's going to be a run. It's going to be a run heavy offense uh, in terms of establishing the run, focusing on the run, making sure it's present. Um, so while I think Haskins, you know, will definitely flirt with high three thousand yards, he's going to have a lot of weapons to throw to. But I could definitely see Stephen Sims, you know, pushing 800 yards out of the slot just based off of being that third read, that second read, if somebody on the outside is, is taken and getting some plays that are designed for him. Um, I think that his quickness and his ability just to find those little spots in between the zones and the ability to just create just enough separation from the defender on those quick slants, on those quick little reads uh, is key. But I also think that he may have a little bit more of a – he may add a bit more of a deep threat from the slot than we have with somebody like Trey Quinn. I think that um, he definitely would provide that as well and you know, will definitely give nickel corners all kinds of – fits all season so i could see him getting you know 55 60 catches out of the slot and you know in other random formations because you know seeing what this offense did with christian mccaffrey i could see them doing things like lining sims up in the backfield as a second back and having them run patterns out of the backfield things like that they'll find ways to give him the ball so i think sims is going to have about 55 60 catches um and you know seven eight hundred yards easily I'll take it. What you got, Ellie? Uh, so I think um, when it comes to Steven Sims, I think he's a, for me, he's a regression candidate. And I think for multiple reasons, I think Phil explained one of them. I think the offense might not be uh, as predicated on what his skill set is. We talked about the air choreo last week and what it does. But I think the guy that I'm going to mention also is going to play a factor in that. Uh, and that's Antonio Gibson. I think um, for me, I'm projecting him to be about nine touches a game, and that breaks down to about 43 catches. I gave him 516 yards, four touchdowns, 100 rushes, 543 yards, and six touchdowns. And it, so he's really kind of an all-purpose guy, and I think, you know, the thing with him is he's going to create matchups no matter where he is on the field. And sometimes he's going to be in the slot and where does him go when he's in the slot. Right. And then sometimes he's going to be out of the backfield lined up against a, uh, a linebacker in coverage, which is going to give him some opportunities that I think Sim won't see. Um, so I think his production is going to eat away at some production that would have gone Sim's way. Um, and then of course the issue with Sim being his hands, but I got uh, our guy Antonio Gibson getting just above a thousand yards this year and a total of ten touchdowns. You think that's uh, combined, all combined yardage, all purpose? Yeah, well, yeah. not all purpose. I'm not including kick returns and stuff like that, but running and, and receiving, I got it. Gotcha. See, the only the only reason I don't agree with uh, Gibson is the only reason is because he only had 33 rushes total at Memphis. Like he had 39 catches just to, for comparison purposes. He only ran the ball 33 times for like 300-something yards, but he almost never ran it. So I don't see him ever getting 100 carries in an entire season. Yeah, with, with, a backfield, with a backfield as loaded as ours, do you really think he'll get 100 carries? 100%. I have no doubt that he's going to get 100 carries. I mean, if, if, if you just look at Ron Rivera and Scott Turner, I mean, Gibson could be – McCaffrey 2.0, just like we said last week. So this could be stage one of, of his premiere. So AP and guys, they could be gone next year. And it's going to be the, it's going to be the Gibson show. Cause this could very well be the, you know, the first screening of, of Gibson. So I, I see where Ellie's going. And if not this year, uh, I think next year. Well, and look at this too, because a hundred carries means six carries a game. Right. And that's third. Who's our third down back this year? McKenzie McKenzie. McKissick, maybe, 
Uh, but what role does he have? I mean, you know, he does kind of one thing really well, and that's catch the ball out of the backfield. But now we got a dynamic guy that's going to get some rushes on first down. He's going to get some, you know, some carries and reverses, jet sweeps, things like that, that'll give him the opportunity to kind of move all around the field. So him getting six carries a game for me is not that hard to imagine. This is um, what many camps will be great for. We we can see some of this. 100%. And I think, you know, you look at his year that he had in college, which was only, you know, his only feature year at a major program. But I think if you go further back than that, I think his background as a running back is much more, um, has a lot more depth to it. And I think, you know, a lot of the professionals were projecting him to be Joe Mixon. That was the NFL comp that they had for him. And we talked last week how Redskins.com listed him as a running back, and I don't think that was by accident. So I, I can see it happening. Well, a lot of what you said is really dependent upon whether or not Bryce Love comes back this season or when he comes back because Bryce Love has a lot of the same skills mm-hmm. on third down. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He didn't have to at Stanford. That offense you know, wasn't one that you saw the, the running back as a key threat. But, um, yeah, uh, a lot of that does depend upon Bryce Love and McKissick eating into those, that role as well. I wonder if Bryce Love makes a team. That's a good question. That's a, I think they put him on pup or injured reserve or something. They try to save him, I think, but could be tight. Hey, McKissick seems to be a favorite. I don't see that, it personally, but he seems to be a favorite. Bryce Love sounds like a perfect future content for this podcast. Would you say not? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because so. I'll be yeah, jocking him all day long. Topic. <laughs> all right if it's so we got some good predictions um and one thing that we all hope for with these grandiose predictions with these players are having great seasons to reach that coveted all pro status um it really blew my mind i didn't realize that the last first team all pro player we had was 1996 punter matt turk and we look at Tressway today as probably, arguably, our best player. And that's, that hurts to say, but he's been consistent, and he does his job very well. He's, he's consistently in the, in the discussion to be the best at his position. So with that being said, who do you guys think has a chance to reach that coveted status? And it doesn't have to be the 2020, the 21 uh, football season, but within the next one, two, three years, um, who and perhaps why? And anyone could kick it off. So I want to I want to jump in this pool first. Uh, and and honestly, for me, I think it's Antonio Gibson. I think it's a is a special teams player Ooh. because of his special teams prowess. And I think we've heard the coaches say a lot this offseason that he's going to be featured on special teams um, in in the return game, right? Because that's one of the reasons why they liked him so much. And I think when you're talking about all pros you need elite talent and the Redskins and, and, you know, I'm sure somebody's going to say Chase Young. I'm not going to spoil that, but the Redskins don't have enough elite talent yet to project a lot of people to all pro positions. But I think if Antonio Gibson is what they think he is in the return game, I think he might be our best bet. Okay. Take that. For me, I'm leaning towards Ruben Foster. And this is hoping that his drop foot issue heals up. Um, and the reason I'm going to give him the nod, I originally had Chase Young and, and Brandon Sheriff written down, but just thinking through, I mean, the player highlight prediction, you know, that Steve said, hey, those two bookends are going to get a lot of sacks. We already know the dudes in the middle have been getting pressure the past two seasons. If they can truly clog up lanes for him and he's able to fill that role that we, he came into the league kind of expected to fulfill, um, I think Ruben Foster can can reach that status, and I hope it happens. Yeah, we need a quarterback on that uh, defense. So, absolutely, I, I agree with you. I was going to say uh, Ruben Foster as well. If, if those big uh, the Alabama guys can Allen and Payne can step up, and that's a whole different argument. Who's the starting tackles? Allen Payne, Ionitis, two of them. I don't know who the third will is in that, mm-hmm. but either way it goes, rotation wise keeping those big guys off of Ruben Foster, that's a problem. And I, I think, wasn't he an all-pro team for Sanford one year or something like that? I don't, I don't know. know. I, but, uh, right now. I think he could do it. Uh, if not him, I, maybe Colin. 
but I guess Sheriff will be the safe pick. Yeah, so so Foster, he wasn't a Pro Bowl or All Pro uh, football player at all. I mean, he's he had good numbers, um, better numbers as a rookie, but yeah. All right, so my pick, I'm going with none other than Tress Way, the man Tress Way. Okay, (laughs) listen to me. Listen to me, gentlemen. 1994, Reggie Roby from Miami on the Redskins, all pro. 1996, thanks to our founder, Rodney. Matt Turk, all pro. Tress Way, 2019. Second team all pro. So we talked about this earlier in our chat. Second team all pro. They still classify all pro. All right, let's get that. Let's get that out. Um, but we're talking first team all pro. This is Tressway's year. He should have made it last year. I don't know if you look at his numbers, but that made man two was, years in a row. Should have made it two years in a row. Um, so I'm going with Tressway. Um, they still technically classified Trent Williams as being all pro because he got second team all pro in 2015. However, if we're saying first team all pro, yes, it's Matt Turk, nineteen ninety six. So I'm going Tressway. He's twenty nine. I love the dude. He's the ping pong champion, and he's a Madden he is champion. The Madden champion. Madden, Tressway, so, ninety nine overall punter on the game, bro. Everybody has one. He needs to be a ninety nine on the game punter. That, that's correct, Tressway. If you hear this, I'm your I'm your, I'm your boy. Let's go, Phil. What you got? Well. I was going into this conversation saying Tressway because that's the obvious pick. I mean, in terms of being an impact player at his position relative to anyone else on the team at their positions, he's it. But if we're going to go besides the obvious, I'm going to go with an obvious pick in Chase Young. But I'm going to circle back to a point that L.E. made where he talks about how the Skins don't have the kind of talent that elevates really good players to that elite level by get, by opening up those opportunities for them to make plays. I don't see that anymore because with this defense, with the talent we have, and in going back to a 4-3, and in having three very, very talented defensive tackles, by having a defensive end like Sweat on the other side, Young's going to get those opportunities. And I think that that is what's going to be the difference between someone like him who's very elite on some other teams that may not have that kind of front seven talent and what we have. If that talent lives up to its potential or even close to it, Chase Young's going to be an all-pro within three years, first team. So the only thing I'm going to say to that, though, is I think we get caught up saying front seven a lot. I think we got a front four and some depth behind the D-line. I mean, I, the, the strength of our defense is our D-line. I think there are serious questions at linebacker mm-hmm. uh, in some regard. I think we have some serious questions at free safety. Uh, yeah. And I think we got questions at corner as well. So there are going to be opportunities to exploit our defense in several ways. Uh, and so I think, you know, for Chase Young, it's going to be, you know, all or nothing in a lot of cases. And I think defense or offenses will figure out a way to scheme against our defense uh, to protect their offense from Chase Young. So that's my only concern for him. The Did other I thing I'm going to say about in terms of like uh, Kendall Fuller maybe playing some free safety and base. I can't see it. <laughs> I, I hope he played, not. He played, he's not he's built like a free safety. In, in Kansas, yeah. He played a lot in Kansas City. He, like yeah, he, he played a whole lot in Kansas City. Um, Let's see the Kendall Fuller. The, the, yeah, the problem is though, you're taking to me corners a much more important position than free safety. It, you but know, if he's one of so the best not, defensive backs on our team, you can pair him there at free safety with Collins. Then you can put the kid from uh, the Eagles we got, put him at the other corner, and then put Baby Moreau at the other. But I mean, how often we in base anyway? Right. I mean, we got Sean Davis right. too, though this offseason. I, I see him. He, I think he's going to be. He should be penciled in day one as the free safety, and then this should be his job to lose. Guy, and one of the big knocks uh-huh. on him is that he cannot tackle to save his life, and that's scary as a free safety. Uh-huh. Let me give you a quick point. We all know Bakari Rambo. Chris, what's his face? Fast, fast. 
Oh, Chris, man. Chris Paul. 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 Chris the last thing I'll say, too, I think it's going to hurt all of these guys making All-Pro is that if the team's not good, it's a little bit more difficult for those All-Pro selections to come in. So we need the overall team success to elevate to help get our guys there. And, bro, that was the perfect segue. I, I think you might have, you could have written it up better. The team needs to be good. So we are currently, as a franchise, sitting at a record all time of 603 wins, 603 losses, 28 ties. Snyder's record as an owner, 124 wins, 193 losses, one tie. Now we're all in our late to mid-30s, early 40s, some of us. The Redskins have been great our entire youth. And then we have been abysmal under Snyder's reign the past 20 years, and we all know that. What I'm leading to is FedEx is a cesspool. It is a breeding ground for away fans to come in and take over the seat, the, the stadium. Um, we haven't been very successful in that field. It started at a 90,000 capacity. He's been putting up freaking seat blockers, removing seats, whatever, to try to fill the stadium to capacity. And then most importantly, in the past two years, we saw the Capitals win the Stanley Cup, the Nationals win a World Series, the Washington Valor won an Arena Bowl, and then the Washington Mystics won the WNBA title. So Ron Rivera and just, you know, Ron Rivera and the Redskins organization as a whole, what does this mean as Dan Snyder wants to move forward with his new stadium deals, endorsements, et cetera, so on and so forth? Because on the surface – we're not marketable and you might, I really don't want to dig into it too much, but we we're all aware of the current climate, political climate um, in regards to black lives matter. And there's apparently a movie or documentary related to the Redskins. And that may mean that Snyder truly has to look inward and say, Hey, do we keep this name? Do we move forward? Um, is is the are the Redskins marketable in the new world that that's emerging? You know, each passing day. And this, I know we we're at twenty four minutes in the pod right now. We got twenty minutes left to get through this and two other topics, and we might cut it short because this might take some time. But go ahead, guys. Well, I mean yours. the so so. Muriel Bowser, the mayor of D.C., who's kind of always been on the D.C. side, just came out yesterday and said, I think it's time to change the name. I mean, this momentum for the for just, you know, all things even remotely close, it's it's moving. So me personally, I don't care if you change the name. I'll still be a fan. You call it Washington, you know, toilet seats. I'll still be a fan. It doesn't matter. Um I still think they'll be profitable. I still think they'll be a fan base. I don't think it's going to change at all. Like you said, we're 603 and 603. Our predictions all last week, I think we all predicted losing records. I, I can't remember. Right yeah. at, Ellie, okay. at least the Seven only one that was 16. Nope. So, <laughs> so, uh, so, I'm just lucky. so four <laughs> out of five yeah. said losing records. We will have a losing record at the end of next season. It's not going to change anything. We're still going to be the what, – what are we, the fourth highest marketable, uh, marketable team in the NFL behind the Patriots, uh, Cowboys? Uh, having some, some some memory recalls. But I think we're like number four in the NFL. Yeah, might we're – we're, we're, yeah, exactly. um, I don't think it's going to change. You know, um, and I think they will still be profitable. And you know, I think a, a heavy like – Dan Snyder's going to have to look hard at name change – you know, debate's going to have to happen. The conversation's going to have to happen. I know he's always been stuck in his ways, but we are in unprecedented times as of today on June 12th. So you never know. The, the Wizards did it. They were the bullets that turned into that stupid name, the Wizards, who I still love. Terrible, and, name. And follow. Terrible name. I still call them the bullets, but they did it, you know. So I don't know. It's just my take. They should just change the name to nothing, like just be Washington. Like that's it. Don't put nothing there if they do it. 
Like, I'm not a fan of changing or not. I could care less. I'm like, you guys, I'm a fan either way. But just change it. To, leave it as Washington, man. If you want to call them Redskins in your personal life, do that. But just when you see it on TV, WAS right there, like NFL 2K, baby. They did it. But, you know, I mean, it just, yeah, they did. just be easy about it. Make up some bull crap statement like, hey, man, we're going to, you know, no name at all. You know, just find a reason to do that. Just no name. Let it ride. Uh, well, here, I guess I'll, I'll say what I have to say. Personally, I guess because I've done a lot of research on this topic because of arguing with people over the years about the name. Um, I think I have no, I don't see where there's a problem with the name, but you know, there's a, there's a minority of people who do, maybe they don't understand. Maybe they just don't care. Maybe because it's in DC. I don't know. But if I were going to change the name and I'm Dan Snyder, I'm going to these groups, these Native American groups. I'm going to say, look, I want to continue to honor the heritage. Some people find this name offensive, even though every survey has said otherwise. You know, they did the most recent one was, what's the first word that comes to your mind when you hear the word redskins? And the number one answer was pride. And the majority of the answers were positive. So how can we honor the legacy of Native Americans, the history properly in a town like D.C. in a positive way. Because I think that if you want to carry on that, carry on the name, the tradition, the feel, the everything, but you want to change the name, do it that way. Because at least then, you know, you're, you're better honoring, uh, you know, the heritage of Native Americans, the culture, everything. But at the same time, you're not having to, you know, end up having to do all this revisionist history, which you know it would happen in every NFL film's retrospective afterwards, because it's it's going to have a different look, different feel. It's just you don't want to to lose touch with the fact that this franchise has a fantastic, you know, history in terms of winning titles, being you know a team that was, you know, in the early days, of the NFL, the nascent stages. So you want to honor that. And you want to also, if you want to better honor the, the heritage, of Native, heritage of Native Americans, I think that that will be a good opportunity for Snyder to take if he still wants to, because he's stubborn on this name change. Okay. So let's, if we're going to change the name and we're going to make the team more marketable, let's do something that's still in line with the heritage of the culture that the mascot is supposed to represent. I always liked the Warriors. I think there was a lot of buzz around the Warriors a couple of years ago. F- I hate alliterative names. Yeah. <laughs> I um, hate it. I hate, I hate Washington Wizards. I hate, you know, I hate anything where it's like the same letter twice. The only time it works is if it's a hard word, like Tennessee Titans. Okay, I can live with that. I don't have particularly crazy about it either. Jacksonville Jaguars. It just it's about, I hate it. That's a person. Huh? What about Red Hawks? What about Red Hawks? Close enough to Redskins. I mean, like it's, I always think just like okay, like changing like the music and all that other crap. What's close enough? I mean, obviously we we formed the franchise as the Braves. We, you know, Boston, nineteen thirty nine, thirty six. Yeah, thirty two actually. Thirty two. Mm-hmm. There you go. So I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to try to get this in two minutes or less. Um, I think the Redskins are moving into a, an era of being more valuable because in the NFL, fantasy football is king. The Redskins are going to have a viable fantasy football defense because of the sacks and the pressures and hopefully the points they don't give up. They're starting to have offensive weapons that are going to be fantasy football factors. we got Terry McLaurin. we got Gibson. we got Sims. Hopefully Haskins. Uh, across the board, so I think more people that are casual fans are going to be drawn into this team a little bit more as we progress. Um, so I think that's not going to hurt. Uh, team name, I'm open to it. Uh, I'm pretty liberal about that. I think you know if they want to change it, by all means, go just go with the the skins uh, or the hogs or something like that. And then I think I, I do want to correct a little bit of a misnomer that's out there that the team just tanked when when Snyder took over. 
from 1992 to 1998, this team was terrible. They were terrible. So it, he oh, didn't absolutely. start the trend downward mm-hmm. after the Super Bowl. He just hasn't really helped elevate it from there. So that's it. But we did rebuild. That was a, that's the thing. Right. Under Snyder, every time we start to rebuild, it collapsed. We we had built back to an NFC champion Snyder's first year as owner, and then boom, it's been get to a certain point and collapse every time. Well, yeah, I mean, what was it? Nineteen ninety nine was his first year as an owner. Uh, yeah, ten wins next year, eight wins. Yeah. Year after that, eight wins. Year after that, seven wins. And then we went a couple seasons with seven, six, five, and then we had a ten win season. And then we had a nine win season. You know what I'm saying? So. I think it's a little bit overstated about how bad things are. One final point. When when you guys sent me that we were getting ready to go over or excuse me, under five hundred, I wasn't aware that we weren't already under five hundred. So I don't know how many other people don't think because everybody has perceptions of Redskins being really bad. I'm assuming that most people already assume that we're already an under five hundred team. Yeah, they, they probably do. That surprised me as well. But, I mean, the history, we were, we were a pretty prominent franchise for, I mean, before the NFL was the league that it is today, you know, as far as winning world championships or league championships before they were yeah, called Super Bowl. Fall off so. trees, man. Yeah. Well, By the way, just, just as, <laughs> as an aside, as the NFL is growing into a global league, there is an opportunity for the Redskins to take advantage of that. Because do you know that in places like England – and in other countries in Europe, the Redskins are one of the three most marketable and most valuable franchises over there in terms of jersey sales, uh, fan followings, things like that. So as the NFL continues its global reach, the Redskins need to be on the, to stay on the head of that curve because that they're getting a lot of marketability there. And, you know, you spread the global presence, it naturally spread in this country as well. A shout out to Andy Burroughs, one of our Redskins Addicts members in the UK. Also, let's plug his 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 podcast, Redskins Tweet Team. Go check it out. Subscribe. It's dope. I listen to it. Um, yeah. Okay. Next topic. And he sounds it's the proper. Queen, it's the awesome. queen's tongue. We awesome. can never be that eloquent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'll enjoy hearing this segment when he listens tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah, we'll we'll jump on to the greatest redskin ever now. Um Yeah, I'll let you guys kick it off. <laughs> Trust way, okay. Colt McCoy. Fucking jokester. I think the, the cliche one that everyone's probably gonna say is is Daryl Green. I, I'm thirty eight. He played twenty years in DC, um eighty three to two thousand two. So by the time I, my brain formed a conscience and awareness as to what the hell is going on around me, he was on the roster. He was playing pretty well. I think 99 was his last good season. Um, 2000, 2002, he just he took Uncle Sugar's money from, from Dan Snyder, and that's all good. He deserved it. Um, but 54 interceptions, Pro Bowl seven times, and All-Pro 1991. So – as far as just consistency and being in the discussion year in, year out, I'd say Daryl Green is my greatest Redskin ever. And I probably took all your answers. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah. I is that it? Sweet too. I, I'm, I'm on board with Daryl Green, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Including community work and things like that. Get factor in for it for me. So. Am I the only one with a different answer? You might be. Go ahead. Let the Redskins addicts know who's your greatest Redskin ever. It, it, this, was a, this is a, this was a tough one because I had narrowed it down to three, and I've been ever since we had this discussion in our uh, pre-show chats, I've been juggling between the th- these three. Um, but I'm I'm going to have to go with John Riggins. Mainly because of the fact that Ooh, out of Riggins. all the players in Redskins his in modern Redskins history, because you know you want to go back, you could say Sammy Ball, but in terms of the current fan and even older fans at this point, he's the guy. He is the face. He was. He is the personality, the singular one that people remember. For his not just 
you know, the, you know, his off the field antics, you know, between, you know, the, the, the Mohawk he had with the jets and, you know, getting drunk in front of uh, Sandra Day O'Connor and telling Sandy baby to loosen up, but his style of play is so emblematic of that Gibbs era, that first run. It is, you know, that's the only, it's the only era of the Redskins that gets talked about as an era, as a dynasty. And he is the face that's put on it, even though he was only there for one, uh, one Super Bowl win. He's so emblematic of that era and his production stands up to it. Gotta remember, you know, this is the guy who's in his mid thirties running for over rushing for over a thousand yards. Had 24 touchdowns one season. And he was, what, 33, 34 years old. Had 24 rushing touchdowns. Um, you know, he's the franchise leader in rushing yards still. And we've had a number of great running backs come through here. He's still the franchise leader. And he earned almost all those yards. Well, not almost, but the majority of those yards on the backside of his career here. And he's so, still relevant in the area. Yeah, and people still love Rigo. And, you know, he's, he is the, the defining face of the one dynasty of our franchise in the modern NFL. So I'm going to go with Riggins. I'm going to go with Joe Gibbs. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if y'all just talking about players, but I'm going Joe Gibbs. 76% winning percentage in the postseason, man. Multiple Super Bowls mm-hmm. with multiple quarterbacks. I mean, that, that's nuts. You know, I had the courage to start a black quarterback in the playoffs and nobody else was doing that shit. You know, uh, I'm going to go Joe Gibbs. He came back and then did it again. Took us back to the playoffs again. They got a playoff victory. When's the last time we had a playoff victory? Joe Gibbs. You know, I mean, <laughs> they should build a, a statue for this dude, man. They should call the next stadium Joe Gibbs Stadium, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, no – and the fact yeah. that nobody even looks better in like the Redskins hat than him. The dude was sitting on the sideline with that with that old burgundy red looking hat with the gold R on it every game, man. And he was the coolest looking guy in the hat. And he he looked eighty five years old when he was twenty. You know, he's like the the you know, the white Samuel Jackson or some shit. But <laughs> he definitely should be he definitely should be uh I think the, the greatest Redskin ever, man. It's funny you say that because that's when you brought up Gibbs in the chat. I thought of this too. Gibbs did that. He did everything. He accomplished everything. He did during a time in which look at some of the other coaches in the NFC that were, you know, legends Ditka, Marcells, Buddy Ryan. Gibbs was the exact opposite personality. This is a man who I've never. Heard remotely close to curse, right? And do you know any? And I mean, I don't know this is a stat or nothing, but just eyeballing it, do you know any coach, single coach that has more players in the Hall of Fame than Joe Gibbs? I mean, I I don't know more. I don't know anybody that has more Hall of Famers that he's coached directly than him. I I might be wrong. Vince Lombardi. (laughs) <laughs> Whoever coached yeah. those nineteen seventies Steelers teams, I don't know. Also, not a Redskins, by the well, way. <laughs> well, hell, I mean, you know, Hank Stram had one Super Bowl team, and they had uh, seven or eight Hall of Famers on defense. So, <laughs> well, right. I'm gonna I'm gonna be different than everybody. I'm gonna I take a different approach to it because you guys all said the right answers. I can't argue with the answers, and I'm not gonna say the same answer. So, my all time greatest Redskin of all time is none other than Captain Chaos himself, Mr. Chris Cooley. And it's it's because of, yeah, say what you want. It's I when I think of the greatest reds and when I hear the person talk, it like I, I feel excited. Every time I hear him talk, I'm so excited. And it's probably what have you done for me lately because his podcast, his analysis, his break film breakdowns. That's probably what it is. But as it stands right now, like my favorite Redskin is Chris Cooley. Like I can't I'm so devastated he doesn't do his podcast anymore. Um like I, I love the fact that he had some great years with us. You know, yeah, towards the tail end when when Jay Gruden came on board, it just all went downhill. Injuries never came back, but he is a Redskin for through and through. Like this dude, you know, from Utah, 
is a Redskin through and through. So um, I would love to see him coach somewhere. I would love to see him coach for the Redskins. We'll, probably will never happen, but Chris Cooley is my all-time favorite Redskin because you guys took all the other good answers. So I'm going with Chris Cooley. I like Chris Cooley, but he ain't never won a motherfucking Darlington, bro. So nope, I'm going yeah, with Joe yeah, Gibbs. Not. I can't argue with Joe Gibbs. I'm just not going to the same answer as you. <laughs> see, and you know the stadium will not be Joe Gibbs Stadium. It will be named after some mega corporation that's going to line oh, dance yeah. pockets. So we can call it Joe Gibbs Stadium down here. Though. I hope it's Jiffy Lube, man. That's right. That's right. Joe Gibbs Racing could fucking sponsor it, man. Joe Gibbs Field at Interstate Battery Stadium. Um, that would be. <laughs> that would be dope. That would be dope. Yeah, I remember. All right, Steve, so, you said your favorite Redskin of all time. It's funny because out of the past, out of the Snyder era, Cooley's my favorite Redskin. I wouldn't even say he's the greatest Redskin, but yeah, I, I would. I, I, as far as favorite, there's a difference in greatest. I had to put aside my favoritism to come up with Riggins because my favoritism would tell me Art Monk. I love Art Monk. <laughs> I thought you were going to say RG3. Hey, Gary Clark was on uh, Kevin the Sheehan podcast. This week, he had a great interview uh, yes. with Kevin Sheehan. Oh man, I loved it. That dude, he had nothing. He all he did was all he did was prop up. You can catch I it miss, on his podcast. All he I did was prop up. DC. Up. That dude was all about family, personally. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's rich. Oh man, me too. Rich was great, dude. Rich was a sharp-tongued dude, though. I hated him at Twitter at times because he would fucking cut me up. But his analysis and just his attention to detail was, to me, he, he was one of the all-time great journalists in the area. Yeah. Cool Rich Chandler, hey. Chandler plug there. I was going to say, speaking of then we're gonna, journalists, go ahead. Um, who in the group scared away Tom Levero? <laughs> uh, he I might call him a fuck boy or some shit he was. On, on Twitter. He was in our group for a couple of years. He'd even he post his have, columns know. whenever they were revert, referred to the Redskins yeah. in the group. But I always would, would reply on his task, like, why don't you engage with us? Like, all oh, the people yeah. that post their content will engage with us. The dude from SI with um, – uh, Chris Russell, his 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 buddy, Chris. I mean, Diane. You know, Cheeseboro. She would she would engage with us, and then Tom just posts his stuff and leave. I would always ask, dude, engage with us. It's clickbait. So you know what, leave Tommy? Clickbait. Yeah, I, yeah. Good riddance. Yep. You're you're cool sometimes, but if you're not going to engage with us, don't be in our forum. Man, he's super negative. I I can't I can't deal with him. <laughs> That's true. That I got you with my last name. No, okay, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> All right, most overrated current Redskin. Most overrated current Redskin. So, which Redskins player cause you the most consternation as you watch them week in to week out. And we're at 44 hey, minutes, gentlemen. Kerrigan, man. We're getting yeah, close. Like it, dude. We're going to be a little bit over, but I don't like Yep. I'm Kerrigan, too. He gives you 10 facts, man, <laughs> but what else? I mean, <laughs> it's hard nobody, to get 10 facts because nobody else is getting 10 facts a year. But, I mean, and, like. And he's on the weak side. No one says, oh, no, Ryan Kerrigan. Ryan Kerrigan scares nobody. And he's like, going to get paid for 15 sacks a season, though. He's going to get you 10 for show. Sure. Right. Not this year, but no one plan, game plans for Ryan Kerrigan. But I love the dude, and he's so consistent. He's he's Iron Man. You know, he's he, he'll he get you 10. He's never injured. I love him. I hope he retires the Redskin, but I think he's the most current overrated. I'm bird. What the fuck he do? Yes. Yes, thank you. Thank empty sacks. I think I heard empty sacks by Ellie. Yeah, dude, I, I, I fucking said Ryan Kerrigan as well. Like, so looking at his numbers, if you, if someone says, "Hey, this guy's been in the league for fucking, you know, the past nine years," he has ninety and a half sacks and one hundred forty games. You're like, oh shit, that's that's fucking pretty yeah. good. But like you said, they're they're hollow, hollow sacks, dude. So he disappears for me. Like he disappears on third down fucking stretches of games like we really need this dude and he's 
he's nowhere to be found. He's just throwing his fucking arm up versus a right tackle who's he's not the elite offensive tackle on that opposing team nine times out of ten. And he so he has it's crazy. Like you said, consistency too. He is consistently consistent, if that even makes sense. 17 total games versus East NFC East opponent, a total of 51 games in his career versus the Eagles, Giants, Cowboys. Yeah. Versus each team, 11 and a half sacks. That's crazy to me. Like, like literally, like I get like seventeen games, eleven and a half sacks. That's not bad. That's a good season. Like that's a good season for. You know, if you jack up about it, yeah, it's fucking weird. His numbers all time are up there. Yeah, he's getting better though. As later in his career, though, he's getting more like strip sacks. He used to just sack the quarterback, but instead of like at least semi trying to get a fist on the ball, uh, he's definitely getting better as his career goes on with with getting those uh, turnovers. I I will say that. I will commend him on that. But he he is the most held player. I I don't know. He's held a lot. I do watch him being held all the time. But he's got got a rack post syndrome. He does. One one trick point. Yeah. Yeah. But the past several years, he's been the most consistent second down pass rusher in the history of the game. I swear to God. All the sex come on second down. And he just happens to play on a team that's had some of the worst third down defenses in the league, especially because of how they've been schemed and game planned. So take that for what you will. Those A lot of those sacks may have had more impact if we'd had a better third down defense. But all we would do is go into soft zone on third and 13 and we give up a first down. Right. So I'm assuming a little bit of bail on that. Bro, I've seen. Oh, he's going to buy out this year. Out this year. I can already oh feel it's going to happen. He's going to have like 17, 18 sacks. Then he's going to go somewhere else, like New England or or somewhere, and win a Super Bowl. Dog, and they're going to be like, "Damn, man, he didn't do shit." Here. I hope so. Why? Well, you're assuming he'll be on the field enough for 17, times? 18 like, sacks. He's he's, um, he's still fairly young. How many times did you see? I mean, last year was his only season that he didn't have 16 games. I mean, he's he's been healthy. He's he just hasn't. He's been consistently. It's because he doesn't create. I want to see it, yeah, man. He really I, doesn't create his own. He, he, right I'll take it. Ryan Kerrigan does not create his own pressure. He eats off other guys getting pressure and pushing the quarterback to his side. When he's struggling with that, should have an issue. That's when he gets his sacks, and that's why you see some of the strip sack numbers because that quarterback's being pushed his way. He's getting pushed out of the way. He reaches around, and knocks the ball out. It, in, in basketball, they have a, a term for guards, right? Can they create on their own or create their own shot? Ryan Kerrigan does not create his own shot as a pass rusher, right? He kind of feeds off of what the other person does. I'll tell you what, if this podcast creates any no, traction I, this week, I, we're going to get something I, I, I hate on Kerrigan. I'm telling y'all, he's going to have like, like 150 sacks this year, some crazy shit. Watch, man. Watch. I respect and him. And the rest going to franchise, I'm going to have one sack to quit. Well, I, I'm not going <laughs> to hate on Kerrigan too much because of the fact that I, I like consistency and I like guys who play through pain. So, you know, that kind of stuff, that kind of work ethic and, and mindset is infectious. So you need guys like that. Um. Yeah. I have a different overrated player. No, without a doubt. Now, most of us in this group probably think this guy's overrated, but damn it, Jay Gruden put it in other people's heads that this guy's actually great. Morgan Moses. Mr. Mr. Offside every play. And (laughs) Morgan Moses, Morgan Moses is not overrated. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) No, he he was. Morgan Moses is my number two. I'm not going to lie. But P- I don't know if people rate him highly. Oh. He's just I my Morgan Moses is cut this year. No, ever since right. – hold on. I'm still having arguments this day with people who say, well, Gruden said he was the offensive MVP just Ooh. a couple years ago. That man's never been the MVP of anything. Ever. MVP of all sides. He's been other teams MVPs for, you know, giving them penalties. Giving us penalties. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Morgan Moses does nothing for me. I think he's a turnstile half the time. People, it's it's amazing how many times I see him give up the pass rush. You know, we talk about 
Kerrigan doesn't create, Moses just allows. As a, <laughs> would you Ooh. would you take would you have Moses over Columbus yes. in in, yes. in that same book? Yes. I'm I'm yeah. hurt that there was a pause. I I think he's an up he's an upgrade from what we're used Injury to. But is he is very frustrating. He's for always sure. hurt, so he always gets a pass. I know yes. we're running over. Yes. real quick. My most overrated, and I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. Darius Geis. <laughs> I don't know why people are so gangster about Darius Geis in this bandwagon. There's no stats to back it up. But one game, one or two games where he catch me out over five yards of carry. He's been in the. This is going to be. <laughs> Third year in the league coming up this year. He has two games where he looked good. The rest of them, he wasn't even on the field. That's it. Darius Geis. Well, mm. drop the mic. Any closing comments, gentlemen? I don't know, man. I think Wrap this up. Up. what's his name? Chase uh, Ruiz. Yeah, Chase Ruiz. Another double L guy. <laughs> But I, I don't I don't know man I who did, that guy we drafted in with a third or fourth round play center yeah Keith Ismail yeah he might get his job I think you can find we'll a starting uh, starting center in the Ruyer. fourth fifth round Ruyer was a sixth or seventh rounder wasn't he right but I think if you pick a center in the fourth or fifth round that guy's supposed to be there to start I mean I don't know. You know. Going to be interesting. We'll see. All right. By the end of the year, Keith I don't Ishmael. think so it'll be Ishmael's going to be the starting center this but, year. A week one, rather. But I think by the end of the year, I think so. I think that's going to happen. I watched a couple of uh, YouTube film breakdowns. Like hey, we got another dude named Ross Piercebacher from Alabama. So, hey. The Malabella boys, he's 315, heaviest, heaviest center we have. Watch out. Oh, let's hope his feet aren't heavy. Hmm. I just want competition, man. I want fucking good, healthy I competition. I want the best season. product to be on the field, something we haven't they're seen. They're talking about uh, two preseason games time. this year, maybe. We'll see. I guess they haven't decided, but oh they're talking about making it just two. <laughs> two and uh, Hopefully they play the Chiefs so I could see them come out to Kansas City. All right, boys. Well, I think this about wraps it up. Yes, sir. I think we had a good uh, yeah. good discussion week two. Always fun. Appreciate appreciate you guys being here. All right. Catch you next time. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Sean, what? Sean, give us give us some uh, guiding. Uh, I got some jokes. Some parting words. TV. Ready, us, tell us a joke. Something funny. <laughs> Okay, all right. I'll have to. I'll have to, I'll, I'll have to pop that. Right, yeah. <laughs> y'all, y'all be good, man. Be safe. <laughs>